Hey, Rick Brown with Vintage McCoy tonight, filling in for Rob, and I recently shared a message because the congregation that I was visiting was reading through the book of Revelation and wanted a message that came from that book. As I read the reading for their week, it was in the center, this Revelation chapter 16, and uh, I shared a message, the road to Armageddon. This may not be the normal eschatology road here at uh, Vintage McCoy. We're usually talking about how history matters. We're declaring the truth. But there is a future truth about eschatology, about the coming of the Lord, that people have wondered about for many years. What's it going to be like? People avoid the book of Revelation. It's too complicated for them. It's too difficult. It's filled with imagery. But I want you to know the book of Revelation is really not that complicated. But I have the perspective that the events that are written in it are in the near future. And after an epic year like we've had, it just seems appropriate to talk about the end of the world, doesn't it? It just seems to fit. So in this Road to Armageddon, those who had been reading through the book of Revelation, there are three waves of judgment that God is in the future going to judge the world. There's the seven seals in Revelation chapter 6 through 8. There's the seven trumpets through chapter 8 through 11. And then there's the seven bowls or seven bowl judgments that are poured out upon the earth. And within those seven bowls, there's a specific judgment that comes to planet earth that is so devastating that it's unlike anything else in history. Look at the introduction here in Revelation chapter 16, 1, as we look at the first bowl, and we're going to do an installment tonight of half of the bowl judgments, and then in our next segment, the other half. And so we see in verse 1 of Revelation 16, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Well, you can barely get through that verse without knowing that people in this world have a problem with a holy, righteous God judging sin on planet Earth. But the Bible says that He is our Creator, He is our Savior, and He also is our Judge. Now, Jesus spoke about this future time that is the 70th week of Daniel chapter 9, and also, a time that Jesus describes this way. And, and why does it get its title, the Great Tribulation? Well, look what Jesus says in Matthew 24, 21, and 22. It says, For then there will be great tribulation, such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Jesus says that there's an epic time coming to planet Earth that is unlike anything that's ever happened. And, and the Bible records some pretty incredible devastation. History tells us about incredible devastation from natural disasters and various things. And we know that during Noah's flood, as we see in Genesis 6 through 9, that God brought an incredible flood that brought judgment to the earth in time past. And so in the future, he says that he's going to bring judgment as well. So his track record is perfect. He said he was going to do it before, and he did. And he says he's going to do it again in a different way, and he's going to. Now, when you think about this great tribulation period of time, it only stands to reason that the word great would be used multiple times in this chapter, really the crescendo, 
chapter 16 of these seven bowls being poured out, and then 17, 18, and 19 is the mop-up operation, or more details, if you will. But the word great is used nine times in this chapter, specifically pointing towards the intense judgment of God. Pretty heavy duty. Now, this first bowl judgment is going to affect people's health. Now, I know that some of you, before I even get going, you're a little troubled. You're a little nervous. Anytime you bring up the road to Armageddon, the judgment of God, I just want you to know you'll have to stick around for the second segment because I personally believe in a pre-tribulation rapture being caught up by God's by God of his people that he has not appointed us to wrath. And we're going to look at that at the end of the next segment. So you might end up being just a little troubled. If you love Jesus, I want to tell you up front, I don't think we're going to be here from the clear teaching of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Now, I know there are those who have other perspectives. There are, is the pre-tribulation rapture perspective. There's the mid-tribulation rapture perspective. There's the pre-wrath rapture perspective. There's the post-tribulation rapture uh, perspective. There's also the pan-tribulation. Maybe you haven't heard about the pan-tribulation, but most Christians I talk to, they subscribe to the pan-tribulation rapture, which means it's all going to pan out in the end. They just can't put head and tails to any of these things of, prophet, of a prophetic nature. Now, having said that, I am so pre-tribulation rapture oriented, I don't even eat post-toasties for breakfast, just so that you know. I give that encouragement, but you'll have to look at my reasoning at the end of the second segment that'll be airing on Monday night. Now, back to the bold judgments. In verse 2 of Revelation 6, 16, it says, So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men, notice this, the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. So the very first bowl judgment that is poured out on planet Earth brings a specific foul and loathsome sore. That means it is ugly and painful and agonizing, but it comes specifically on those who have received the mark of the beast. Now, the mark of the beast is described back in Revelation 13. It's warned, uh, the humanity is warned not to take it in chapter 14 of Revelation, but it is a mark that now the only way to buy or sell anything, right now, we have, you know, I reach in, I, I, I got my credit card, I got my debit card, I got my chip, right? You got a chip card for extra security. I got to take it with me. And now there's the technology is present that there can be a mark on your right hand or on your forehead that now I'm able to buy or sell in that way with a cashless society. And without this mark, I can't get a tank of gas, I can't buy a gallon of milk, I can't buy a loaf of bread with some lunch meat to feed my family. It's going to be an intense time. But those who, under pressure, take that mark during the Great Tribulation, Revelation chapter 14 says 
that it is a deal breaker for salvation. If you make that decision, in essence, you're choosing the mark of the devil upon your hand, your right hand or your forehead. Now, this gets a little bizarre and we have a lot of kooks that do this and that with these thoughts, but I just want you to know that you and I know that the technology here today is able to do that. We discover that uh, Amazon is uh, playing around with some of that in their local stores up in Washington that you can scan. Because right now, if you have your uh, Apple uh, Pay, you just hold your phone close to the reader and it reads it, correct? And so all you need is the reader uh, to read the chip that's in your hand or your forehead and uh, you're good to go. You don't have to have your wallet, all your medical information's there, whether you've been vaccinated is there, uh, you've got a diabetes, it's there. So health things, uh, your child, if they're chipped or they're uh, marked, uh, nobody's gonna kidnap them without you being able to track them down, GPS tracking. Today, at, at uh, those who are, are dog owners, in certain areas, they have a little syringe that they just put the chip inside of the dog so that when the dog catcher catches them, he just scans that to know what address, what the name of the dog is, if there's not a collar. And, and so that technology is being used in the animal world as we speak, and it's not much of a leap, except a lot of people from a Judeo-Christian background like America realize that this is a thing and it troubles people. Well, only the people with these terrible boils or sores, they're so painful, they're the people that have received the mark. And some wonder if it is actually connected to the forehead or the right hand where those sores are. We're not sure. Now, God has done this before in a limited way back in the 10 plagues of Egypt. In Egypt, uh, he, Moses told Pharaoh to let my people go. Exodus 9 verses 10 and 11 through 12, it says, they cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast, and the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians, but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So even though God brought this judgment on the Egyptians so that they would let the people go, Pharaoh hardened his heart, and through these seven bold judgments, you will see the people that have received the mark have hardened their heart against God as well. And they just, they blaspheme him, they shake their fist in the sky, so to speak, at God's judgment. And they know where the judgment's coming from. Well, the second bowl is moving away from the physical pain. Just think about it. When you, something on your body hurts, it is all-consuming. Now the food supply is affected, as we see in Revelation 16, verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Now this is epic, because about a billion people in the world living around the oceans get their food supply of fish, and then the people that work also in the, that industry as fishermen is, is, is a huge amount of people. So if you, all the, the, the things turn to blood, all the ocean, excuse me, turns to blood, and everything in the sea dies, imagine the stench. Once again, in a limited way, we see this took place earlier in the book of Revelation during the second trumpet judgment. And only a third of the sea was affected, for it says, 
in Revelation 8, uh, verse 8 and 9, a third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So I'm not going to get into how that happened because there's some things that are uh, given as insight back in the trumpet judgments. But here is a red tide. This is a, a physical experience that happens yearly around oceanic uh, borders and places that is prominent. When there is a red tide, there is these, uh, it's a... Um, algae bloom, a harmful algae bloom. They call it H-A-B. And a harmful algae bloom is toxic. And it's during those times of a red tide, you see it here just in this surf, uh, that the red tide will make toxic any kind of shellfish. So if you eat shellfish, somehow it, uh, the toxic exposure to red tides is poisonous and um, you can become very sick, if not die, from a red tide. So usually fishing is, uh, of uh, shellfish is banned during red tides for that specific reason. So we know that we have uh, microscopic or micro experiences, but now it's coming to a macro. Do you know that 70%, 70 to 75% of the Earth's surface is covered in the ocean? Three-fourths of the Earth's surface is ocean. Now it turns to blood. Now everything dies in the sea. Now most believe that these seven bold judgments happen very fast and succinct because the survival of humanity is not going to be very long with the epic type of destruction we're talking about. That's why Jesus said, unless these days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. And it's a time of great tribulation like the earth has never seen. We have never seen that kind of Red Sea, not a third of the sea that we're going to see back, that we saw back in the trumpet judgments, if you are familiar with the book of Revelation, now the entire sea. Well, it goes from the food supply for a billion people to the water supply of all of humanity. In verse 4 of Revelation 16, it says, Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. So now the freshwater supply, the drinking supply of water has been contaminated with blood. And as we see back in the trumpet judgments, there was a partial, a third of all the rivers. Look at it in Revelation 8, the third trumpet, a third of the rivers and on the springs of water, a third of the waters became wormwood and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. So the contamination of the, a third of the, the fresh water supply happened back in um, Revelation chapter 8. And this also was the very first plague when Moses confronted Pharaoh to let his people go. In Exodus chapter 7, the rivers were turned to blood, or the river, the Nile, the river were turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died. The river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river, so there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. God's done it before, and then in Revelation 8, during this time of judgment, the trumpet judgment, he does it partially, and now in Revelation chapter 16, he does it totally upon the springs and rivers, to, rivers of water. Imagine your food supply is decimated. Now your drinking supply is decimated. People are desperate during this time. As we move on, we now see a perspective that is shouted out from heaven 
that I think even us only doing the first three bold judgments, I wonder if we agree with it. Can I just ask you as you're watching, what is your perspective about the judgment of God, a holy God judging sin on planet earth? Well, in heaven, verse 5 says, I heard the angel of the waters saying, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. Now, verse 6 tells us, For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. One more. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. These three verses talk about the perspective of those who are close to God in his perfect heaven. Now, think of this. They declare that righteous and true are God's judgments. These people that have the mark of the beast have killed God's saints and killed God's prophets, and they've shed their blood, and now God, as they are, have sowed the wind, now they're reaping the whirlwind, so to speak, and now they are uh, going to, God's giving them blood to drink. They're saying in heaven that this is a just judgment for a God-rejecting world. Now, I can just hear people's minds right now spinning, even their words. Oh, if I was God, I wouldn't do such a thing because I'm so loving. And anytime somebody prefaces a, a thought that they're going to share by saying, if I was God, it's always, my, my soul just thinks because I think, it's amazing that our small humanness in our fallen, selfish, self-focused world can even venture into the headspace of what it is like to be a holy God separated from this God-rejecting, sinful world. Now, God loves the world, and He gave His Son so that nobody would have to experience this judgment. He gave Him to die on a brutal cross, they drove spikes through his hands and his feet, a spear through his side, put a crown of thorns upon his head, mocked him as he hung naked for the sins of the world on a cross, and they put him in a tomb for three days and three nights. And yet Jesus, the Son of God, perfect sinless sacrifice, came to prove the heaven, heaven's love for you and I as he stretched out his arms and said, this is how much I love you. And he paid the price for our sins, and he rose from the dead three days later. So he conquered sin by taking the punishment of our sins on the cross, and he conquered death. You and I have two great enemies. I don't care if you're young, old, male, female. We have two great enemies, and that is sin that dominates our life, and Jesus breaks that cycle of sin so that we can now be obedient to God. It doesn't mean we become sinless but we do sin less as we walk with him and his sanctifying work of his spirit begins to work in our hearts. But he also spared us from the fear and the bondage of fear of death. Every person, even if they don't want to talk about it, even if they're filled with bravado, I'm not afraid to die, on that day when you're going to close your eyes for the last time and your heart's going to stop beating, the human heart is terrified of death. Jesus forgives your sins. And says, now when you die, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with sin. That is the love that heaven has shouted out for all broken hearts. 
and people that have devastated, ruined lives is God's love. Now, that being said, if you reject God's love and you reject God's gift of Jesus and you reject the forgiveness and the right standing with God that you have to be able to go to heaven and escape the judgment of God, if you reject all of that, the only thing left for you is to fall into the hands of a living God. And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God because He is righteous and true. And apart from Jesus' forgiveness, you have no access. For Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. There is only one door of access. Now on the private side, if you love Jesus and you love God, your heart is going to be much closer to those voices that are echoing in heaven. True and righteous are your judgments, O Lord. When you look at the judgment of God through the trumpet judgments, the seal judgments, and the bowl judgments, but if your heart is far from God, you are angry about this whole concept. I have discovered this simple truth, that those who are the closest to God agree with Him the most, and those who are the furthest away from God agree with Him the least. So this perspective is a great, great opportunity for you to examine your own heart. And even today, if you want to receive Christ, you can simply say, Lord Jesus, I'm lost in my sin. I need you. I want you to forgive me of my sins, and I want the hope of eternal life. I don't want to be afraid to die anymore. It's the most beautiful thing that can happen in the child of God's heart. Maybe you've been far from God. Maybe some of these things have grabbed your attention and reeled you back in. Maybe you've been tuning in to Vintage McCoy, and you are not yet a Christian. This is an opportunity for you to pray and to give your heart to the Lord Jesus. I just want to invite you as I close this segment, pray with me right now, to open your heart. It's a simple prayer of faith. It's not some magic trick or gift. It's just simply, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. That those who come to Him must believe that He is, that He exists, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So right now, if you have the faith in your heart that God exists, that He loves you, that Jesus died for you and rose from the dead and wants to touch your life right now, I want to invite you right now, just open your heart by faith and receive Jesus' love, His forgiveness, and His salvation. Pray with me right now. Just close your eyes. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I realize that I have fallen short of your perfection and your glory, and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead on the third day. I believe you are here with me now to forgive me, to fill me with your spirit, and to be the Lord of my life that I might have everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. I give my life to you. Strengthen me to walk as your servant, to do what you want me to do, to go where you want me to go, to speak what you want me to speak. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed for the first time to open your heart and receive Christ, the Bible says that when one sinner repents, the angels rejoice in heaven. And I want you to know that the angels are rejoicing in heaven about your life 
right now, right where you're at in your living room or watching on your phone in your car, wherever you're at, the angels are rejoicing over your life. And I want you to know here at Vintage McCoy, Rob and I and the whole team, we're rejoicing over your life too and can't wait to see you in heaven or in church on Sunday before we get there. God bless you. Next time on Vintage McCoy, we will pick up the rest of the bold judgments in the book of Revelation, chapter 16, in our message, The Road to Armageddon. Hey guys, thanks for watching. For more information, head over to vintagemccoy.com or follow us on Instagram at the Vintage McCoy. We'll see you there.